right. and awareness for people that can't. Right. What's the worst that's going to happen, you know, to me? Right. That's, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm like, um, oh. I'm already living repressive okay. tolerance. So. Here. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Well, we are live streaming on YouTube and I'm here with Carib Marcel, Carib Bartholomew and Christine Seifen. I'm so happy to see both of you this morning. And um, we wanted to get together to have a discussion about some events that happened to Carrie very recently when she was giving a speech and there were some really, um, <laughs> some radical suppressive tactics being employed that were, I, I mean, I can only imagine how that must have hit you to have that happen, but I, I'd love you to just kind of walk us into that. What happened? What was the speech? What was the context? And then, and then how did things play out? Sure. Um, so one of our senators recently during legislative session pushed for DEI to be, re be removed from higher education. And I went out to support him in that. And even that was an interesting experience. I think I might've shared it before. Um, but when I was in the room, I was shoved by someone. Wow. So, and I'm pretty certain who it was, but because I did not turn around to look, I just am like, okay, so that happened. Um, and these people don't understand what DEI is, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. They don't understand. And they think, oh, it sounds nice. So let's go for it. And then the other part is, is that it's the masochists. So it's the people who truly hate others. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say others, I'm being, I'll be very specific. They truly hate Caucasian people um, and feel like it is their turn for vengeance. Mm -hmm. So, so I went to that event and then afterwards it was removed all the way down from not even being considered as a bill to, we were asked to go, or Senator Johnson was asked to go to a university and um, just discuss, have a discussion. So it went from a bill to just a discussion. So the bill, it was, he was proposing this new bill. And he had to remove that and just turn it into a, he, he decided he was still going to continue having a dialogue though. Yes. Okay. Yes. And okay. so, um, he called me and asked me if I would be his co-partner in this panel discussion. And I said, absolutely. I have no, yeah, I, I will talk about this stuff all the time with anyone who's willing to listen because it's that important. And this is in the state of Utah that this, this is occurring. Okay. And where really was the shocking. panel discussion? Was that a school? Yes. A it university? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it was at Weber State University. Okay. Okay. So, um, and Weber State, in my opinion, from what I'm learning about it, is a lot like Evergreen and mm. that they accept anybody. Um, lots and lots of financial aid to the point that people don't pay for anything. And now I found out that there are, um, well, I'll talk about her but there's one person there who's a former professor and she collects the vulnerable and she takes them to her home and she trains them to be activists. So when I got there, I pulled up and I, as I was driving, I got a message that there was going to be a protest. And I'm thinking a protest of what? <laughs> like, I'm just, okay. So all I wanted to do was explain what DEI is, that it is never diversity of thought. It is never, it's always inclusion at the exclusion of other people. And um, 
and equity always means equal outcomes. So these kids, the room was full. There was about 300 people plus an overflow room. And then these kids all march in. And I mean march. So they march in and they're carrying their protest signs and they they have signs that say, why are you afraid of diversity? Um, and just signs that really were kind of narcissistic and that they're just talking about all of their problems. Just like they just wrote all of their problems on their boards and, um, you know, and they had them in front of them. Well, before I could even start talking, one of the um, state representatives who she has actually said she doesn't believe that any white people died in the Civil War. In the Civil War? In the Civil War, that no white people died. And also in the Civil Rights Movement, that there were no white people who stood up for Wow. So, and and that was totally rewriting history. She's very much. In fact, she even said, I am the face of DEI. Mm. And I was like, and that right there should be a warning to everyone. Because Mm -hmm. the very first thing that she said, my, my YouTube channel used to be called Martin's Daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason for that was because I was inspired by Martin Luther King's speech, right? His, his speech about merit and the content of our character. And so the very first thing she said is some conservatives like to use Martin Luther King as if he would have been on their side. So let me read you this speech. And the speech she read was about him demanding that white people be held accountable for the things that they've done. Mm -hmm. As if I didn't already know that. (laughs) And that isn't why I changed the name of my thing because I, I am not a socialist. I'm not a globalist. Those two ideas do not resonate with me. So I didn't want that to be part of my channel. In fact, a lot of people were looking at my channel going, I was afraid to click on because I thought you were going to be an activist. And then they find, and so I changed and I just kind of came out of the closet as it were. So I get to this event um, and they're wearing their signs. And the first thing I say, big smile on my face. And I say, you know, I think it's I find it rather interesting that you have these signs and you have these assumptions of who I am, but if you actually knew me, you might see that I'm not afraid of diversity. In fact, I lived in 18 foster homes over nine years with all sorts of different people, gay and lesbian, um, black and white, Hispanic. I'm like, this is not, that's not the point. And maybe if you understood, and at that moment, they all turned around and faced the wall. Wow. And they acted like they were in pain that I would say anything. And I made the mistake of saying, you know, my personal assistant is a lesbian. And they started laughing and mocking me. And I was like, so that's tokenizing. But yet these other two representatives who talk about how they're the first Latin person in Utah, you praise, you clap and you snap and you do all this like beat poetry nonsense. Right. Um, and I, and I just, I was so shocked because the issue is, is that DEI um, is linked into the funding. So it's not going anywhere because every single thing about the university is linked into DEI. So they never had to address because I said, you know, I don't have a problem with people who have needs, having their needs met on a merit basis. I don't think it should be free because when things are free, we often take them for granted. 
but I think that they should be something that people can work towards and pay off that isn't going to cripple them forever. But I said, but the point of a university, and this is shocking to me as a mother of a young teenager, the point of a university um, or the point of life really is to approach maturity. I just did an interview with a um, clinical psychologist and he had pointed that out. The point is to approach maturity, to realize that the world does not revolve around you. We're not doing these kids any favors by telling them that if they, um, if they can't handle something, it's harm. You listen to these representatives talk and they're just constantly saying, people of color need to feel safe, 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 safe. And I, and I responded to them because when I first walked in the room, one of the representatives, the one who is off a rocker, um, she said, I don't feel safe with conservatives in the room because they carry guns. So whether they have guns right now or not, she just, just the, that idea makes her unsafe. Yes. And I said, you want to talk about unsafe? I said, I had to have a police escort in. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was warned before getting here that there was going to be a protest. You guys know nothing about me, but you find what I say harmful. And you are in such an ideological place that you can't listen to other thoughts. And that is scary. That is scary. And, and um, Senator Johnson pointed out that um, Robin D'Angelo recently said that if people can't get behind her ideas, then they don't deserve to be in the workforce. This is insane. I mean, the thing is, okay, so I was a former professor of psychology. You may know a bit about my story or not, but I left Antioch. This is how I connected with Leslie through this other organization, the Critical Therapy Antidote. But, you know, I was really drawn to want to talk to her because she was a student and I was a professor and I walked away, you know, from Antioch and was public about why I left. And so this piece of it for me is just absolutely, it just, it turns my stomach like physically because forget what I believe or don't believe. It's the fact that college is the place to be able to explore a wide array of beliefs and a wide array of, and so this, I think is what is the most concerning. We're not teaching these young folks how to develop critical thinking skills in the way the word critical is supposed to be used, not in the way that it is represented today. We're not teaching them that we're spoon feeding them. And as you said, this whole piece about the financial component, I worked at fair for a little while. We met with some Utah legislatures to discuss, they wanted to, you know, put some funding toward like these trauma informed schools. And I was highly against it. Right. So, and, and I had, you know, so we presented, you know, our, our reasons. And the thing is we had already known they were so like going to be locked into whatever decision was already made, but we did it for the sake of let's add more to this conversation. So, and then when I went to the school, the rural, um, the Utah rural schools, conference and spoke about this there were first of all two three people in the room at the most but there was somebody there running for school board and she thought thought you know thank you this is so informative i understand more about what you are talking about she was there very open i don't know the outcome of that and i haven't been with fair for a while here i took some time off but um it, it it is the fact that it's college i think more than anything that just really gets me because that's the opportunity kind of the the, the early adulthood but still kind of late adolescence moment to catch people and 
absolutely manipulate them into in your hand as putty and or the opposite give them some tools on how to think for themselves and make informed decisions accordingly you know so anyhow i i just it 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 just it just it just boggles my mind i i continue to be surprised even though i was a part of it myself when i was teaching i was teaching at the college level i was teaching graduate students so yeah one of the mind blowing one of the things that was shocking or maybe even hopeful. So there's, there's two points here, but um, was that some of the kids who had turned around and faced the wall, the second time I was able to talk because they asked me, I was asked two questions. One, how, what would I see as solutions and how we can teach about diversity without heading down this particular direction? Um, and that one, they could not handle my solutions. <laughs> Um, but the second time was, how is this like the civil rights movement? Because that's what I say. This is just like the civil rights movement. And that's where the woman thought that coming after me with what, well, Martin Luther King wouldn't have been on your side. But I said, no, that's not my point. My point is that you had all of these people carrying signs that said, ain't I a man? Ain't I a man? Yes. They wanted to be seen as individuals, right? And so for them to be reduced into their collective is my point in how we're going backwards, pushing everyone into a collective and saying, you cannot stand as an individual. Your merit matters not at all. In fact, if you are a high achiever, we're going to shame you. Yes. And I, and I pointed that out to them. I said, you know, we talk about how we can fix the university situation, but we don't talk about the fact that minorities are taught, especially black minorities are taught that to achieve is whiteness. Yes. So when I said that three people turned around and one person actually made eye contact with me, she looked me in the eyes and she smiled and she nodded. Wow. So they're not as lost as we think, but my other point, this one is why, because at first when I, uh, talk to Leslie. I was like, I don't know what I want to do about this right now. I just want to eat my emotions. <laughs> oh yeah, join the club. <laughs> my self, self, uh, self care method yes. of choice. Yes, yes. Really. Oh, and mine happens to be hamburgers. So, <laughs> so I'm that's a chocolate gal, but then, you know, I'll eat a hamburger too. <laughs> and then after the um. After that event, and uh, there was a thing that came out of the high school, and a young person that I know, um, who is part of the GSA, she sent me a GSA uh, a link to something that they were asking, and they were telling all of the kids, and now we have GSAs in both high school and in some junior highs, and they were telling all of these kids to leave school and gave them a list of what demands they needed to make in order to come back to school. And it was a leftist wish list (laughs) for for kids in Utah. And I'm talking, they said, we demand that we are allowed to play in whatever sports teams that we want. We demand that we're allowed to use any bathroom that we want to. We, (laughs) We demand the equity act. I mean, this is so political. For seventh and eighth graders? Well, that's, 
isn't that what the left does best? I mean, I hate to, to, to go there, but I'm going to go there because I think that so much virtue signaling that I grew up with, that I was very left at one point myself, because I believed to be left was to be a good person. This type of mentality, this, this isn't something that they just introduce in college. I mean, this, this is starting now. And I can even see when I was growing up, you know, I'm in my forties now that they started this on me very young. I had a very different experience in my home life because my parents are immigrants and were very, um, I mean, they were conservative. I'm just going to say they were registered Republican. Well, my dad, my mother, my dad flip-flopped, but <laughs> the point is I got different viewpoints, I guess, in that regard. However, the school situation, um, they're starting with these folks at a young age and, and they're telling them essentially that if you want to be a good person, you're going to be a left-wing or a Democrat or liberal, okay, or progressive. Liberal, progressive, even classical liberalism is not really, uh, it's been squashed, right? And I would say maybe that was more of what I was even back then, but there, this just doesn't exist anymore, but they know how to do this. They know how to get in there. They know how to appropriate funds for this. They know how to fundraise and they know what to say. They know how to play the psychological game that ends up capturing people to where I, if you even consider yourself to not be that, then you consider yourself to be racist. And that means I'm a racist, white supremacist, white adjacent, you know, internalized whiteness. I mean, add all of these word salads to it. And it, it and, and it starts so early and, and I, it's very clearly politically agenda focused and minded. And there's financial gains that are pouring in. DE&I is a multi-billion dollar industry now billions of dollars, right? I worked in DEI for FAIR for a while to try to change the story and the narrative on how to teach DEI, exactly what you were talking about, right? And so we have this whole pro movement or pro human movement lead with shared humanity and open the circle of conversation for all the unique, unique experiences and diversity. Don't flatten people you know, allow people to, you know, there's nuance in life and nuance and identity and allow for those nuances and all of those pieces to be a part of the conversation, but lead first kind of with what we share in common. And it was a great approach. It was so hard for people to get a handle on what that really meant though. And with us coming in with something like that, they're, they're, these DEI companies or consultants or departments, which are, however, they're, you know, they're getting so much money, they're going to squash something like that. You right. know, so we got squashed. I'm just going to say we have Bob Woodson coming yes. out um, next week and oh uh, great and so I'm on a panel with him next wonderful week at the same school so ah, interesting so we were willing to they were willing to say I, I think that honestly a lot of these people realize that they are in over their heads when when kids are coming in and demanding grade reparations yes we've got real problems because how do you hire a professional in the future Yes. When, when you don't know if you're just going to get somebody who has their own business and you hire them and is when they don't do a good job or even show up and you complain and they just call you a racist. I worked at an organization once and I'm not going to say which one it was. We had, um, I was a supervisor there. I was in a management capacity. I'll try to kind of refrain from even saying what my title was. And we had, um, a black woman who was working there. I'm not going to say what position she was in, um, but in my position, I had the you know authority, if you will, um, 
you know, to write people up. I mean, people reported to me, right? So, and I, and I, I very rarely had to do that, thankfully. But anyhow, um, there was an incident where she shamed me just sort of public, publicly, like at the, you know, at the, at, at one of our meetings and other people witnessed it. Okay. And um, so I went to the head person and said, you know, I really got to write her up. I know she doesn't report to me, but this is, and her answer to me was, well, she's black. She'll sue us. So yeah. now we're talking about before, okay, so this was, okay, I can't, I don't really want to say the year to kind of keep that place protected, but the point is, um, this was definitely over five years ago. So what I'll say about this is that this whole brewing of all of this has been the brewing, the, the, it's the boiled frog concept. It's been, it's been around and had been already starting for somebody to say that. I went to my, to, to, to some board folks about that and some other things happening there. And then it was like, sorry, I mean, essentially we agree. Yeah. Um, they sue. Okay. So to even say they, okay. Right. Is, is that, I mean, was she really being protected and her rights being protected? Absolutely not. They, so then, so then that was, it wasn't about what she did was not wrong. It was about, she's going to sue us. We need to make sure she's happy. So right. she was running and controlling the whole show because of the fact that she was black. Is that not racism? Right. That, that is the hardest thing because I live in an area that is predominantly white. Um, and I've gone to my school district and said, I will be your face. Mm -hmm. I, I will be your face mm -hmm. because I'm a fair person. And mm -hmm. I will look at the curriculum because I know yes. that you allow parents to do this. I will, and, and I will be fair. Like, I'm not going to say we can't hear that because it's too hard for our children. Yes. What I'm going to say is you, you show this ugly, you show this horrendous, you show what slavery looked like, but you also show what, sh what slavery looked like in other countries and what it yes. still looks like today. You know, you have yes. to show the unifying things that bring us together as well. They weren't interested. And now what I'm living with is uh, repressive tolerance. Mm. So there are people who will get online and they will say things specifically about me. Mm -hmm. And when I write a rebuttal, a week later, my rebuttal is still pending because, yes. and I sit there going, okay, but wait, I, I am literally like one of your only people of color. Yes. And you are saying that you're doing this to be anti-racist. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, no, you're just as bigoted. You're just using it as an excuse now. That's right. Because they, they've always felt superior, I think. Yes. Um, and that's a hard thing to, to understand like that, that I grew up with people believing that they were inherently better than me. Yep. That's hard. This is that this movement is white supremacy, in my opinion, at, at, at the forefront, because so much of it, right, was launched by Robin D'Angelo. She's white, isn't she? The last time I checked. Okay, so all of this is now, if you really want to call this, you know, talk about white supremacy, now you have white people telling people of color, Pock, my favorite, Pock, I can't stand, obviously I'm not white myself. You have these people now telling you how to be the right kind of person of color. They're yes. telling you how to be the right kind of anti-racist. They're telling you how to be the right kind of, you know, non-bigoted acceptance of everybody. If you want to really break this down into white supremacy, it's still white people telling you how to be in your own skin. Yes. Can we just do and that? I mean, and I'm not even a white supremacist kind of, that's not my shtick, but yeah. if I really break mm -hmm. down the complete 
hypocrisy. That's where this came from. A bunch of white yeah. folks. Well, and then you take the black people who are perpetuating it. And well, it's yes. so different in my opinion. Sure. And then black people on the plantation who were the leaders. I mean, yes. who were the mass, um, you know, who like were the master's hand, right? Who they're the ones who would whip the other people. Yes. It, yes. It's like, yes. It's like, let's keep you down while we rise up. Yes. And that is truly, that's wow. truly what this looks like because these people are so that's ugly nice. that they will walk in and remove your stuff. If you've, if you've like set your, your stuff down, you've, you've come to an event and you've set your stuff, they will remove it. Oh. Ari, I wanted to share this picture that you sent me of the, um, of what yeah. this, did oh, you take wow. this photo when you were? Um, no, when I pointed out that, um, the immaturity of people, you know, saying that they were out for inclusion, but they could not listen to diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. Somebody else took the picture, but that's mm -hmm. what I stared at the entire time. And these people literally turned their backs on you. These college age kids literally standing with their backs to you while you were speaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These people who say, if you don't affirm us in every possible way mm -hmm. that you are erasing us, mm -hmm. made a choice to come to an event and erase others mm -hmm. so that is so powerful what you just said oh, something that you said about uh one of the the young people turning and looking at you or a couple of them turned and looked at you one of them made eye contact and sort of nodded at things you were saying yeah and that made me think about how uh, as a mom of teenagers when my girls were teens I can remember a lot of times you talk to them and they give you a blank look. They don't look like they're absorbing it, but later on it, it comes out that they really are. They really are listening. And I, I think it's really profoundly powerful that you kept talking and that you remained, you know, calm and reasonable and let them see they'll soak it in. And I bet a lot of them will remember that you were the adult in the room and that the, the person who was inviting them to, behave in such a disrespectful way to somebody speaking was the one who was really out of line. I, I can only imagine that some of these people will later absorb this and, and come out with a different perspective. I, I, I agree. Hope so afterwards, um, mm -hmm. a couple of days later, there was the freedom fighters award and I was getting one of the awards. Um, and this woman, yeah, this is that I wanted to share this one too, but I want to hear your Oh yeah. So this, this woman, um, she walks up to me and she goes, I was at the panel discussion and I'm like, Oh, great. I'm thinking, you know, I'm in friendly, a, a room that's going to be friendly. And mm -hmm. she goes, well, take this however you want to, but you come off as a very angry person. Oh, wow. And I said, okay. And she said, so how does that make you feel as if she was my therapist? <laughs> and, and I said, you know, okay. I'm okay <laughs> yeah. I said, when it's our children on the line, I think there's a time when we don't play nice anymore. Mm -hmm. When our kids are behaving like they're in a cult, I think there's a time that we don't play nice anymore. Our kids are being used as political pawns. Yes. And it's no, because here's the thing in Utah, it's all about nice. Yes. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys cannot hear my hysteric dogs. That's why I've got my headphones on, <laughs> but um, good. Okay. Um, when in, in Utah, the culture is to be nice. Mm -hmm. They just had 
uh, general conference. And there was a lot of conversation about be nice, don't make waves, whatever else. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. But then, but then we sacrifice our kids. Yes. We have so many people who are in GSA who are not even um, gay or lesbian. They are, they are called in to be allies. They're allies. And then they're going out and doing this. And so this is GSA. I'm sure people probably know Grace Gay Straight Alliance. It's a, it's a, um, I guess, becoming a popular thing in schools. Uh, This is sort of new to me. I wasn't a thing that was around. I don't think when my girls were in, in high school, maybe it was, maybe it was on the back burner and just a small thing, but I'm hearing a lot more about it. And so they sent this out and you want to, talk about what this is, Carrie, this. Yeah, they just, they, they sent this out. And the reason it didn't go was because of, um, well, it could be two things, but one I think was the situation in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other reason was the, um, we had a statewide gun threat Mm. that same day. So I don't know if those two things were tied together. But this was sent to me by a young person in high school. Mm. And um, she was just like, you know, there's probably, oops, I shouldn't have said she, oh, well. Um, uh, Probably about eight of us who are actually on the the queer side. Mm. And I explained to her that that queer, that she shouldn't use the term. I just said, be your own unique self, but queer yeah. is queer theory and they're using you. They want you to be activated. So, so I explained to her what, um, I, I explained to her Gail Rubin's queer theory in the best way that you can talk to a person of her age. Mm. Um, and this was a list and it's, and it's just look at the pictures. I mean, it's, I, these are people. so obnoxious I think that the graphics are they're yes just aesthetically offensive <laughs> but they're geared towards yeah. young people kids yeah kids and that's it's, it's queer that youth want them in elementary schools too by queer youth for clear queer youth yeah really horrible looking graphics gosh so ugly this is wow. their list of demands yes so and as you go down the list, it's, it's, you know, the thing too is like, okay, if we, you know, if we look at kind of the civil rights movements at various points in our own generations and, you know, young people at the college level, right. We're all marching in protest. When I was in college, it was, you know, at least for women, it was take back the night. I mean, that was a big, huge deal. And we were out there and, and, and the whole thing. And, and that was, that was fine. But, but the problem here, you know, even more so, I think than the CRT stuff is 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 the gender this gender issue and and this because now we're involving doctors we're involving medication we're involving altering your body in a way that you cannot undo so mm-hmm. even if you you know if you talk to these detransitioners right you cannot fully undo what's been done and a lot of them have all these sorts of other you know physical issues that are going to continue on now and so I can't, when people tell me, well, Christine, it's just another trend and 
uh, you know, that'll, that'll, if fad, that'll go away and it's a movement. No, because in my opinion, this is very carefully constructed to use these people that are vulnerable, who want a cause, who want to stand up for something to achieve a political agenda. They are boots on the ground. They're pawns in a war without any bloodshed, technically, no weapons needed, no, no, no uh, provisions for your army needed. Mm. This is a group of, of, of soldiers, foot soldiers on the ground to do the bidding of all of these other bigger corporations, bigger woke agendas, bigger globalists, elitists, um, you know, cabalists. Um, I mean, fill in the blank, socialists, communists, uh, all, uh, all, all of that, all of the above. So I do not think that we can just throw this to the side so lightly and say, well, it's just a trend that's going to fade. And the cult thing, the cult issue, there's a good book out there. I've mentioned it before from Maria Keffler. You may, you may know this one, Carrie, I'm not sure, but it's called um, Detrans, uh, Desist and Detoxify, or just, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, um, okay. So, so she's a social worker. Let me get the, the exact title. She's a social worker that wrote a book on the trans, sort of the trans, you know, um, the trans cult-ish kind of situation. And um, so so I've read her book multiple times. I put together a presentation. Uh, actually, I put together a, a couple of articles for a substat that I'm putting out with Bonnie Snyder. I don't know if you know who she is, but she wrote the book Unindoctrinated, um, which is all about kind of what's happening at the schools and how the indoctrination stuff has happened. She has tons of peer-reviewed journals in there to sort of back up her points and whatnot. So she and I kind of met, it's a long story, but um, so we started to work on some stuff together and decided that we were gonna put a, a sub stack together for parents. I'm not a parent, I don't have children, but I cared a lot about the, this movement or the ch- protecting the kids because they're gonna be the decision leaders one day. So either way, whether you have kids or not, you're gonna be affected by what's going on for them. So anyhow, we started writing a bit about cults and the fact that all of this is sort of cult-ish. Um, but even prior to that, so, so that, when we put together some good material, I'm excited for when it goes out, I'll keep you guys posted, but we put together some good material about the cult kind of, uh, uh, quality. So mm. this woman, Maria Keffler, I heard her speak to at some event. So the book is called desist, detrans and De- detox, getting your child out of the gender cult. And she had a daughter who, you know, was sort of t- t- trans or whatever was going on with her. And she talked about what her journey was and getting her daughter to kind of get out of that cult and kind of return back to what the actual underlying pain or issue or suffering or whatever she was going through, you know, even the need to belong to a group. I mean, there's this need to belong, right? So even, even all of it is being exploited. So she talks about that. And the, the way that she talks about cults is very much matched up with other people who write about cult thinking. They literally take the kind of the, 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 the vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Of what a cult mm-hmm. should be. Well, and they use that right to, to bring these people in, whether it's a religious cult, you know, a Waco situation or a cult, like the gender cult movement, right. which this is the cult now that's the problem clearly. So well, anyhow, wasn't it's a great it, book, you know, make note of it. It's just helpful. Before we get off of this page, I just yes. want to real quick highlight this because this stands out to me one of their demands, remove dress codes that are racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist, nativist, xenophobic, mentalist, slash sanist, or classist. So, so this is new language naked? right here. Yes. I mean, well, well, this, is that okay? this right here, mentalist <laughs> and sanist. 
right the new thing to me so now it it sounds like it's they're trying to create a sense that in expecting sanity is yes oppressive yes wow there is no truth but power there's no truth literally sanest yes Okay. Sanest in when I first itself. thought, I thought it was Satanist. Okay. That, yes, that's what it looks like. Yeah. So sane thinking is considered oppressive somehow. Oppressive. Yeah. Okay. So the only truth is power, right? Which yes. is the word critical. They've aligned critical with power. That's why yes. that is so powerful because that's the new definition. They like to change definitions. That's the new definition of critical, right? Right. I get in every system, there's a power structure at play and you're either on the side of the powerful which which you harm others or on the powerless which you are the victim that's what but they're extremely powerful they're extremely powerful they're they are changing the way we we work in society to a place that doesn't work and the other thing is um they are they are at times violent so to pretend that they don't have to be um that they don't have to be violent isn't true they prey on the autistic so in the autistic yeah, oftentimes don't have a, they don't have, um, they're not connected to mm-hmm. what they do. Mm-hmm. So if they punch you, oh, well, right. And so there's, um, wow. so there's, so, so violence is, that's what I saw. What I saw was all of these people last year, I was interviewing people who were running for office and um, I spoke to a sheriff and they had said, oh, Antifa's never coming into our, we'll never let it cross into our border, the borders of our town. And I thought, well, you will yes, if they're yes. homegrown, yes. if they are, if they have grown in your home That's and in right. your house, then, mm-hmm. then you will. Mm-hmm. And, Which... and these guys are one step away from that. If yes. these kids leave school, the next thing is, is oh, Oh, well, they didn't see you enough. You didn't, you didn't make enough, enough notice. So go destroy something. Yes. That's having come from Seattle during George Floyd. Uh-huh. I am like, this is exactly, we are, we are on the precipice. And yes. meanwhile, the direction in Utah is be kind, just be kind, just accept, don't make anybody feel uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, no, safe because spaces, it's not kindness, right? safe spaces. It's not kindness because when these kids come out of their cult, which many of them do, they will not be equipped to deal. They, they have so much guilt, everything. Correct. They have so much guilt. They're angry. They're furious. Who did this to me? Why did they do this to me? Why did they let me cut off this part of my body? Why did they, you know, nobody wants to be around me because I'm a miserable human being who only talks about my victimhood. Why, why, why did you do this? That is such a good point. I, I really, and it's something I personally didn't even think about until you just said it. And I think that's something that has to be, you know, kind of fleshed out a bit is to think about the after effects after getting them out. Cause right now we're a lot of people that are kind of trying to get involved in this or thinking about getting them out, but it's the aftermath, what you're talking about of the psychological damage of the anger and even being equipped to function in the world, you know, where one of the kind of presentations I put together from Bonnie Schneider's book was about the importance of, you know, social or civil discourse in classrooms, right? So there's not just a narrative, but there's obviously facts are presented or what we know to be maybe historically accurate to the extent that we can know it being accurate, right? So there's always inconsistencies. But the point is, 
you know, here are the, here are some historical facts. Now your interpretation of that, that's the, that's the dialogue, that's the understanding, that's the thinking behind it that's supposed to be a part of this, this social discourse. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the points I made in there is that the problem is when you don't allow kids to either A, be exposed to other ideas and or B, to fail in class, they don't learn how to fail as adults. And if you can't fail as an adult, that's when you get yourself into these, this kind of trouble. That's the kind of fragility of the ego and the narcissism that, you know, when you did that beautiful interview with Yaku, my, my co-host, I like <laughs> adore him. Um, but that's a lot of what ends up happening, right? Is that entitlement that, you know, the lack of ego strength in a sense, it completely dismantles, you know, to use that word mm-hmm. internally for them because they don't know how to tolerate you know, kind of know right. they don't know how to tolerate distress or feeling upset or that life isn't fair or angry, mm-hmm. or, you know, people did this to me, all of those things that you learn. And when you're younger, how to right. tolerate, which is why everybody can't get first place. And right. that's, that's why I think of this as an anti-resilience movement. Oh, I mean, that's beautiful. the whole thing is they're just breeding a lack of resilience in young yep. people. The Having very fragility that, that they say that we're, they're supposed to hate. They are yes. growing. Yes, that, that's what I used. I said, I said, you know, you guys totally. read Robin D'Angelo and quote her, and 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 I'm like, and who's the fragile one? Yes, I'm like, I I can sit in a room and have you all have your backs to me, and I'm yes. like, you want to talk about feeling unsafe? That feels pretty unsafe because who knows what's next? But you guys are the ones who have very fragility that you claim to be against. Mm-hmm. They're so broken. And so when that woman said to me, you seem angry, I'm like, yeah, I'm angry. I'm, yes. I am. I, for the first time in my life, I'll embrace that, that angry black woman. If yes. that's what I have to, because leave our kids alone. Yes. That's all like that shouldn't be controversial. Yes. Well, and that's a clear case of, I mean, it sounds like narcissistic reversal, honestly. I mean, to blame the, the person who's been victimized the person who's been had aggression directed at them to then point the finger and go, Oh, look at you. You're angry to invalidate you based on your reaction to something that you're legitimately responding to. Yeah. So it was very much gaslighting. That's how I felt. And and maybe that wasn't her intention. I want to be fair because mm-hmm. she did come to an event that would have made her uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely it definitely felt like, okay, this is Herbert Marcuse's repressive tolerance where anything said by this side can completely and must be celebrated, uplifted, and magnified. And anything mm-hmm. coming from this side must be silenced even to the point of thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're just like, and the other thing that Christina had said, um, wow. you know, about going after these certain people is this is also, I believe this is Marcusa. I could be wrong about who it was, but it's, um, they, they wanted to go after the ghetto classes. Yes. And the ghetto classes were the blacks yes. and the homosexuals. Yes. And they wanted a group that is continuously and there's never an end. And yes. I asked them in this thing, I said, where's the end point? Where's the point where, where it's not okay to talk about how much you hate someone else constantly. And these senators and representatives could not say that there was an endpoint. They said, oh, we don't have to like people, but you have to do what we say because it's tied to the funding. And I'm just sitting there going, are you hearing this? President of the, of the university, are you hearing them say that this, this mess that you're in right now is not going to stop 
because there is no end game. Mm-hmm. They feel very virtuous in their hatred. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it came up in one of the talks that I did with CTA where somebody said to me, well, how do you be under, under this kind of, you know, ideology? How, how do you be a good white person? And I said, well, it's impossible. You're just never going to be. So you inherently can never be a good white person because inherently it's never like Abram Kendi says, you know, it's inherent that forever it will always exist till the end of time. So you must in complete and total servitude here, um, you know, on, on bended knee, continue to work toward dealing with your racism, but the, the, the lack of hope. And I mentioned this on Stephanie Wynn's podcast the other day, she it just came out. I forgot I had said this and I had said, you know, the problem is it's so hopeless. And when you're in this hopeless state, you know, it's almost demonic in a way that you cannot ever, there's no reason then to put one foot in front of the other and go, why are you going to work towards something when the hopelessness is such that it'll never ever work out? They want to break you down. They want you to be broken down and tired and, and lack of, you know, sense of anything valuable about your stuff, a nihilistic, fatalistic, Mm. all of it. That is the goal. That's the end game. It's not that it's going to ever be fixed. But the end game yeah. is to dismantle you as a person, everything yeah. that you are. It's not just an institution. It's the people who make it up too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's dismantling the entire, you know, from top to bottom, the people, the institution, the whatever it is for some perceived, you know, thoughts of, of a perceived definition of discrimination or, or any of the isms, racism and hom- yes. homophobia and whatever, all the isms that are out there transgender, you know, phobic, transphobic, yeah. all of the icks and the isms. Yeah. I've begun cetera. to look at it as kind of a death cult, honestly. I mean, we're yes. attacking what it means to be a living thing. We're trying to break people down into almost a, a computerized version. We're just, we're just ones and zeros, you know, totally transhumanism. Yeah, I mean, transhumanism. transhumanism, which interestingly, you both, I imagine, have seen all of the things that have come out recently about the big fear of AI, the mm-hmm. artificial intelligence that's going to annihilate the entire world. Transhumanism, another topic here that's been talked about for quite a few years, but nobody said anything. It didn't get a whole lot of interest until we're on the precipice of falling over this massive cliff and exploding into smithereens to the point that the left, the right, the the center, the politically homeless, all of them are going, oh no, gee, maybe this was a mistake. Bad idea. Yeah. Utah it's been is on huge the table into for a it. long time, transhumanism. It's just yeah. people don't really acknowledge it as being a thing, a bad thing. But that's, yeah. you know, to your point, Leslie, that's exactly what the whole point of that was, I think. Well, it uh, was to know, reduce you to that. Yeah, yeah. To take away your humanity. And the attack on, on gender, it seems like you're kind of attacking us right at our most, I mean, that's generous. Yes that's that's the essence of creation of life yes that away and it's sort of like a it's a very nihilistic death focused cult like thinking i don't know how to articulate this yet but this is something i've been thinking a lot about lately how this ties together um and you know it's why the attack on christianity is so huge Mm -hmm. yes so I, i mean it's it's interesting because it's not it hasn't yet attacked other religions that have similar beliefs mm-hmm. but that attack on white christianity is huge because you know that's where the trad wives are that's where the different 
And you know what? I'd like them to interview a Christian who grew up in Egypt, where it's 95 to 98%, 97% Muslim. And I'd like for that person who's interviewed to talk about what it meant to be Christian there. Because let me tell you, I mean, it was, my parents came from there. I was born here, but they were Christian. So obviously, oh, yeah. um, so I would do that interview. That they, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so well, I the problems to. that are faced here, and this is something I ended up because I taught class the day of George Floyd. And I apologize to anybody who's heard this story a million times, but I was teaching that day when George Floyd, you know, died and the crazy sort of eruption and the apologies in the class and the kids crying and not even kids are adults. Okay. Taught in grad school, they're crying or this, they're that. And I ended up just something snapped in me. And I said, you need to all understand something. This country is not necessarily the racist country that exists. Actually, let me tell you about what racism looks like in the middle East, because right. you can look just like each other. Okay. With the same skin tone and the racism and genocide, or even intentional, you know, intentional genocide without it actually even being practiced, let's just say, but right. the eradication um, of a complete group of people is the goal in some way or form is so absolutely it, it's abhorrent and you cannot fight back the system you can't go sue and get 20 million dollars and a statue erected in your honor in some town that's not going to happen the police right. are more likely to either look the other way they're paid off or they may kill you themselves right. okay this is not an exaggeration my parents ran from a regime that was like that yeah. and so that's why they're here so at the end of the day they the complete destruction of christianity is a very real concept and 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 movement that happens in other countries besides here what is that about right and what is it that right. they're what's their end game and it's um it, it like you said right now it's the attack on the christians when is it going to be on the other religions here in the states i don't know or all the other groups like that was the or thing the other if you look in at general right if you look at that picture with those people so many of them are white men Yes. Standing there. And you're like, do you realize that once we're gone, once, once I'm no longer a threat, once, you know, they've gotten this level cleared out, you're next. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's what people don't get. If they can go after one particular group, they're going to go after everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem. And the I won't security get into politics, spiral. but yes, it yes. is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, the, and, and you know what, do they even teach in history that the KKK was founded by the Democrats? Is that even in the history books? The, 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 the beloved Democrats who are apparently the moral regulators, they regulate what is considered to be moral behavior and the moral values that we have. That's what we're supposed to look to if we want to be good people. Right. Well, what about that? That's conveniently left out of the history books that the Democrats were not the ones that were in favor of freeing slaves necessarily. Um, where is that part of it? Go watch the movie Lincoln. By Steven <laughs> I mean, it's a movie and Hollywood is so incredibly corrupt and so incredibly progressive leftist, but even they tried to create a film that had some accuracy maybe of what happened during that movement and who voted for it and who didn't. Right. Um, and, and, and why, okay. Cause I'm not saying the intentions on either side were always positive or that they were good necessarily. They had reasons why they wanted to do this. Right. And that's a whole nother podcast, but we can't hold today accountable for what happened in the past. That's the that. thing is that in, in Yako, when I talked about this, where, where he said they have to use tokens yes. for their, for their past depression today. So if it was in your bloodline, that's you, you are guilty mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that 
that is insane, which is probably why sanism is now a thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I can't. Sanism, close to the word Satan. Is that what you said, Leslie? That was your comment. Sanism. Yeah. And there's uh, something to that. I'm telling you. That is really interesting. I, I wonder about all the people who have you know, cause we have such complex bloodlines, especially in the United States where people have, yes. been, um, you know, coming together, like the, from all different backgrounds for generations, how many people have bloodlines where there's part of you that you would reject and part of you that you would embrace as the, you know, who's the oppressor, you're both the victim and the oppressor. According that's to my baby. That, that, that's my baby. And then my, my grandfather was a member of the KKK mm-hmm. on. And so my mother went out and got mad at him and slept with a black man. And, um, and that actually, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I have, I've got lots of those, but, um, oh my gosh, but, but the thing is, is that when I was born, it changed my grandfather's heart because I was the, I was the first, the only granddaughter in the family. Um, so for a couple of years, well, cause he died when I was quite young. Um, he did have a different, different relationship. And so we have no room for redemption in what's going on right now. Yeah. And that's what's so crazy that the religious, especially where I live in such a religious state, I mean, it's known for being religious and they're embracing something that gives them no room for redemption. Yeah. It's well, just a continuous, you know, this, I haven't been able to keep up with the chat, but there was one comment that I wanted to read out. Emma Louie said, there's a conspicuous lack of nonviolent language in this gender race ideology. It was something that stood out to me in university mm-hmm. courses. It's not meant to be a peaceful revolution. Yeah. And that, that, uh, what she's highlighting there so well, the conspicuous lack of nonviolent language. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's well said. And it because is not harm, a peaceful revolution. Very well said. Har- yeah. Harm can be anything, well right? Said. Harm can be an emotional harm or harm can sure. be, I mean, think about, and I, I hope that doesn't get us in trouble on YouTube, but just think about what happened in Tennessee. Yes. Nobody will talk about what happened. The, like our press is talking about, oh, there were seven victims. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't disagree with you because you need that to look child's at, mind yes. was warped. You, you have know. to look at media. I, I do not look at mainstream media almost ever because it <laughs> makes me crawl up a wall and I cannot yeah. handle that kind of I feeling. Agree. So I read a lot of independent, you know, you know, media stuff, some conservative stuff, but I don't agree with, you know, everything that they say either, but right. There are some other though, news sources that I tend to kind of lean on more than, 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 than others, because they tend to just give bigger picture. They're all slanted some way, but there's at least details in there that give me a bigger understanding of, of what's happening, of what's happening and of a story. And again, not to, it's not to be political, but like, even, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't say this, but even with what was happening on January 6th, I actually watched a live stream of what happened that day. I watched a live stream and I popped around from one camera to the next. So there were several live streams happening. So I watched a lot of stuff before it even came out on what was going on and people commenting. The fact that that was completely 
taken out of the narrative, right? And completely, and I'm not saying one thing or another about what happened that day. What I'm saying is what was presented to the public on mainstream media was not the complete picture. And I'm not saying that because some crazy right-wing nut over here told me something else. I'm mm. saying that because I actually watched the live streams that day and I watched more than one. There were several reporters on the ground that were, and I, and, and so with that knowledge, I think it was then that I realized I really cannot trust mainstream media to give me the full picture. They're right. going to give me this. They're not going to give me the context around that. That's no, how I felt about Floyd. Propaganda. Same yeah. with Floyd too, right? Yeah. We kind of, if you there's so much that, not there. And there then was a lot was, that wasn't there. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, a lot and of that, other that pieces was of that thing. puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the constant, the other thing that I hear a lot of, um, like right now we're having a, a big thing with high school and misinformation, misinformation. And so what they yes. want to do is tell you what is appropriate yes. for you to watch, what is appropriate for you to listen to. And that freaks me out because our kids should be able to look and to think and to come to their own conclusions, but we're not supposed to. And that came with George Floyd. Remember big, to ask 100%. questions is whiteness. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was set up. It had to have, I believe it was set up beforehand. Yeah, I think that people could not deal with the almighty Barack Obama being out of office. I think you're right. And at that point, they lost their minds because electing Barack Obama told people that they weren't racist. Yes. And so you are so right. That is just and for, me, for me. I was like, like a light bulb. You're I was like, totally you're voting right. for someone because of their color. That's wow. Okay. Yes. It so, told them that they were good and righteous and they couldn't handle that. Now they elected a white man after Yeah, I mean, wow. a woman would have been okay, but a, a white man after it doesn't matter who it was Yes, because they, That's so they true. were already into the cult and the same thing, his language listening to his language. The first time I remember him saying, well, those people with their guns and their religion hmm. and going, what's wrong with hmm. what's wrong with the two way and what's wrong with religion? Because I believe that religion generally makes people have a, a foundation and a sense of yes, like a, a guide, a guiding light, a guiding force. It's a protective factor against suicide. Like if we look at the clinical oh. reasons of why religion, and we're not talking cultish, but we're talking about just the institution of having a spiritual foundation or a spiritual community that is considered when we do kind of the, the several point check on somebody being suicidal. One of the questions we always ask is about that, because that tends to be a grounding. If it's not a cult, again, a grounding community that tends to you know be a protective factor against something like suicide or mental health issues people that have strong communities have less mental health issues in general Um, and when it's a spiritual community even more so so it's almost like again you take that away and you create or you exacerbate massive amounts of depression massive amounts of you know anxiety people feeling disconnected from each other if you connect with people and create coalitions with each other and alliances with just your average, just people, just human yeah. humanity. You become bigger than these elitists. You become bigger than the globalists. You become bigger than all of that. Mm-hmm. And you have an opportunity to kind of take that, their power away, right? I, I had a black studies professor when I was in college, I'll never forget. He was talking about the, um, where he thinks racism, you know, kind of t- took a different turn in this country, I suppose. Maybe that's, I, you know, 
different turn, I guess, is the way maybe he would say it. But he said okay. there was a point in time where you had the poor blacks and the poor whites that started to unite and say, wait a minute, there's too much consolidation of power here among this group. There's more of us than them. Let's come together. Let's go ahead and say, hey, you know, we demand, you know, X, Y, and Z as people of this country. And that that's when they started to, there was a, 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 an agenda there that began to start injecting some racism into the system. So they start pulling away the white, the poor whites and start saying, yes, but you're still better than these blacks because at least you're white. So mm -hmm. now that give a little edge and then they mm -hmm. start building on the edge and the edge. And this is a black studies professor who was super active in the civil rights movement totally all about, you know, that. And he talked about kind of the, the artificial mm -hmm. injection into the system. And we're talking about yeah. outside of past the, the slavery movement. We're talking being about being able to see how the strings are being pulled correct. in order to manipulate yes. people yes. against one another. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because you're, you're, you're first time I was ever preying on to vulnerabilities that, that exist. Yes. And so Bingo. it's easier to do that. Yeah. Well, so liberation, liberation theology, and then recently, the World Economic Forum came out and said they made a list on why religion, how religion can be used for good and how it's bad. And as long as it basically keeps people in line, yes. it's good, mm. you know, but as, but if it, if it um, fosters independence, you know, if, if, if it fosters yeah. uh, reliable reliance self-reliance self-reliance right yeah. exactly did, is then, it wokeism or religion is it neither of you see form these, of religion these They'd images probably be yeah that's exactly right christine the wokeism the being wokeism a religion is kind of religion I, no. I just saw a couple of um videos from a press press conference in canada it looked like it was something official i looked like it was something governmental they're announcing new uh you know i'm not i'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was but they're announcing some new protections for they call them two S. Oh, yep. LGBT. Two spirit. Two yeah, spirit. Two spirit. Yeah. But then they, they, they changed the acronym. Is. Well, they changed the LGBT acronym to put the two S in front of it. So it's like two S LGBTQIA plus or something. But they've got the Canadian government officials standing up there surrounded by this group of really kind of outrageously dressed people representing like the diversity, I guess the, the LGBT right. diversity, like drag queens yeah. and stuff. And, and they're saying we're putting into these protections for this community. And it very much had this feel of a state sponsored religion to yes. me. It really looks like uh, its own wow. religion, but yes. it's like here, we've given, we're here, we're going to give you your religion through the state. Right. And yes. this, it, it like fits exactly what you're talking about with um, the, keeping people in line as a function of religion, that is okay. That's going right. to work for us well as a government. Right. And, and that's the same thing where yeah. they, uh, you know, again, it's that repressive tolerance. It's mm -hmm. if you are part of this group, anything that you do, yeah. you know, if you, you can do no wrong, if you, if, if somebody uses your pronouns wrong, you can kill them. Literally, there are people well, who have done this yeah. and they're like, well, it was hate. It was a hate crime for them not to do this. And you're Did like, you see the billboard Chris events that happened uh, over the past several days. He was, no. um, uh, he was, do you know who he is? He's this no. father from Canada that just goes around, um, wearing a name? billboard. Uh, oh yes. Okay. Chris Elston, I believe okay. or something. He, he's a gentleman from Canada. He's famous for just going and protesting, uh, peacefully, by wearing a big sandwich board, like a big billboard that says oh. something like um, kids cannot consent to P 
puberty blockers or something. He has a couple of different ones, I think, but um, he doesn't yell at people. He's, he's just out there having peaceful conversations with people. And whether you agree with him or not, it's just a man with his opinion peacefully written on a sign. And so there was this, he was protesting at some event with his sign and he's surrounded by trans activists who are yelling at him and screaming profanity and screaming over and over repeated profane phrases in his face. And at one point he shifts and he puts his hand against the guy's chest to push him back because he's right in his face, screaming like spittle screaming in his face. And then he gets um, jumped by, by the group. I mean, he just gets like the guy takes him down and, and there's the scrum. And I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but he ended up with like two black eyes. He looked like he got the worst end of the deal, but those people that was considered by the police that were present a mutual fight. They called that a mutual fight. And so they didn't arrest any of the people who attacked him. And so that's, that's your perfect illustration of what you're saying right there, Carrie, the repressive tolerance. These people can do anything. They can attack you physically, but your being there is enough of an offense. Your being there is violence in and of itself, just to, just with your opinion. It's almost as if my existence, right? It's almost as if they would like to remove my existence. Correct. They do. They which want, is exactly what they want to do, which is, and, and I did say this at the thing I said, there's so much projection in this room. Mm-hmm. You guys say that you're erased all the time, but yet you, you made a conscious effort to come here. You didn't have to, you could have just not shown up, mm-hmm. you know, but instead you make a conscious effort to come out and let me know how invalid I am as a human being, because I disagree with you. I mean, how did you, you know, I just can't, you know, I'm thinking what, how I would have been, how I would have handled myself in that position. And I probably, I tend to, you know, I've spoken at a few school board meetings and stuff. Again, I don't have kids, but I went in there as a taxpayer and a therapist and also a professor of child and adolescent development. It's one of the classes I used to teach. So I went in there on, on that and I was calm, but I could see a, a, a moment where I would have, es- I could have easily escalated, not into physical anything, but into right. just yelling. Okay. So I kind of want to ask you how you maintained your composure and stayed so articulate and had so much, just so much, like, just a lot of meaning behind what you were saying. So profound. And you maintained your composure because to me, that feels impossible for me as Christine to do. So I really, I just want to ask you about that. I want, I, I, yeah. I just, that's an, just an incredible well, I mean, example, you know, I, the well, word friggin the word. did come out of my mouth. The word, which one? I, I, friggin. Oh, <laughs> friggin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I did better say, watch that language there. <laughs> I did say this is friggin racist. Yes. I did. I did go as far it, as yes, to say yes. when you are reducing people down to yes. when you are saying that black and brown people can't achieve without your assistance, that is racist. Yes, that mm-hmm. is racism. Um, my legs do shake. I am yes. no. I am not uh, Joan of Arc. You know, I'm not. I'm not just this powerful whatever. But I am a person of faith, and yes. I do believe that what I am doing in the end, I win. So, um or even if I don't win, I mean, I, I I literally go to these things going, there's a chance that some crazy person is going to take me out. And my son's not going to have a mother. Oh gosh. I do feel that way. 
that's that's a reality. Um, but what I will not do is live my life with having a child who says, mom, why didn't you do anything? Why do I have to live this way? And you didn't do a thing. And I look at so many people who aren't doing anything. And, and this is funny, but my, my son is about to be in the school play and they're doing newsies, which we call the Antifa play in my house. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but there's, a, there's a song in there that says, uh, then stand for the others who cannot follow through. Yes. You know, and that's the thing is that there are people who cannot do anything. And I believe that we are born for such a time as this. So you do what you can every single day. And if in the end, in, you know, in our lifetime, we don't see the change, maybe we've left something because my faith happens to be Christianity and it's Easter's this week, right? Easter is Sunday and nobody was more canceled than Christ. Nobody. And guess who? guess who, guess who came back? Guess who we're celebrating, you know? So it's like, that's kind of the way that I, that I look at it. It's like, I'm going to leave a legacy. And, um, I beat myself up because that woman said, you know, you come off as a very angry person. And I know that I didn't come off nearly as angry as I felt. Um, no, not at all. You you know, how you did that, but that's why, because you, you hang on you hang on to what you know is true. And even if my faith isn't true, and I, that I'm not ever going to say that, but even if it isn't, what I have to offer is so much more hope than the nihilistic disaster of hating everyone and looking around every single corner going, that person must hate me. I need to get them before they get me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what our kids are being trained to live in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I won't. I just won't. I think that's what it is for me too, is, I mean, I get emails and things from people every now and again, or on LinkedIn, you know, I do a lot of these types of things too. And, and I, you know, my answer to all that is for some reason, I was blessed to be in this position. I am now where I was able to kind of take a step back. Like it didn't, the consequence of getting not fired, the consequence of not being able to practice as a therapist, let's say they took my license or it was suspended or something like that, or, or any other outcome. I was blessed to be in a position at this moment in time where I could afford to lose the whole career. I would have been horribly devastated, but I could, because I'm in a situation where I I'm blessed to be able to, to not have to have that and that I can do other things because I've been in the, the, the field so long, just, you know, just accumulating, you know, a lot of experience with other kinds of things. So if I didn't use that to speak out, there are people that have so much more to lose than I do. And if I don't use my voice for the people that can't use theirs, what legacy, and that, that's the word that always goes through my mind, am I leaving behind? And I was telling John, just walked in the back there. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I said, and I'm going to just be honest about this. I, I said, I, I felt a little frustrated the other day because it seems like, you know, I do a lot of this type of stuff, but not all of my friends and my family and my community and everybody really even know that I'm out there doing this stuff. And I was sort of telling them like, it's, this is something to where you can't do this and expect that you're going to get recognition. It, it, it isn't going to be one of those things. 
I mean, I got my little pod, you know, my lights for my podcast, my handy microphone. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not necessarily that people take all of this so seriously because it's not technically a job that I, I don't know, get paid for. It's not necessarily something that I show everybody. And I said to him, like, I just have to live with the non-recognition and need to do it for me and for the people that can't do it. And it just has to be that way. Because you also have to live with the hate. The, uh, yes. People hate you. I mean, people hate me. People. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. You know, well. You're totally right. And I, and, and not, and you're, you're absolutely right. I'll just leave it there. People do. People do. Yes. I'm very careful about certain things I say because yeah. I know that. And if you Google my name, you'll see all the podcasts I've done and mm. you can just listen and then decide, <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah. I had no idea. And that's <laughs> it. But that's, you know, yeah. I had to use this time or opportunity that I have to be able yeah. to, to sleep at night and to be mm-hmm. able to say like, okay, even if these people hate me or whatever, at least I'm on the, I feel like I'm on the side of history that is pro-humanity. I don't even want to say the right side and the bad side, the side of history that is pro-humanity pro-human. that wants to rescue yeah. my profession. This right. is like, that wants to rescue this field that I so dearly love and feel like I got thrown out of mm-hmm. in some way, right? Especially teaching. That was my love. Um, if I can't, if I can't do that and try to rescue this thing, we're at this inflection point, I think in, in the field of psychology, this is going to go down in generations later when people are training to be therapists about what the movements were you know, that, that, that shifted one direction or the other, and I don't know where it lands. Okay. It's one or the other though. This is not a middle of the road thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you either, you either come back to yeah, the, there's going to be a major split. This com- is going to create a, a, a division completely. And <clears throat> I think something that both of you have, this, this ties into what you were both saying and Carrie, when that woman called you angry, she, well, she called you an angry person, but you're, I mean, and I don't want to play postmodern language games, but you're a person who's angry. I mean, you're yeah. a person who does a lot of things and feels a lot of things. And right now that was anger valid. You know, people get angry, especially when you threaten the most important parts of, of their life, you know, and there's a difference between the anger and the hate. And yeah. what we're seeing from them is this contempt for, for basic humanity, a way of life. It's, it's it's diversity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's something when I, when I hear the word diversity, I've come to hear it as more about diverse to divert, Mm, to divert is to turn away from. And so I really think that what we're doing here is creating a culture of turning away from one another. And, and I I think again, it's again, postmodern language games, but it's anti anti-human. Yeah. yeah. It's anti-human. Everybody says it's anti, you know, it's anti-white. And I'm like, you can't, you're gonna lose people if you say That's it's right. anti-white. It is anti-human. It is mm-hmm. anti-values. Yes. It's yeah. anti. Well, I, I love that that you pointed out that that said sanity because I, I really did when yeah. I saw it, I Same saw Satan. And, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's anti-sanity. It's anti the, the systems that have worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they want to do. They want to destroy everything. And somehow they have this vision that when they destroy everything, they're going to rise to the top. But I'm like, you're going to be living in the same crap that everybody else is. That's exactly yeah, right. I know. Mike. Yeah. I wonder yes. that too. 
Yeah. I, I am so grateful that both of you had the time to come and talk about this. And I'm grateful, Carrie, that you shared with me what happened and that you were willing to go into detail about it today and really kind of discuss and, and talk about the implications of it and how it felt. And Christine, thank you for being able to pop on with us because I love getting your insight and you're, I just, it's great to have you to chat with these, <laughs> chat with about these things. And I yeah. saw just now in the chat, um, Nechama, is it Nechama? Thank you so much. You gave a super chat, $5. That was really sweet of you. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> and thank you to everybody who's been in the chat today. I feel like we have so many tangents we could take right now. And so I hope we can, we can maybe narrow it down to a one or two and maybe revisit this conversation and, and yes, do it again absolutely. in the future. Sure. Would love Such to. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Now I have to go clean my makeup because yeah. Carrie made me cry. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I know, I Her know. rousing speech. You're so, you're such a good speaker. I'm glad I'm, you're I'm out there doing this. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm sorry. No, I'm, it's amazing. wonderful. Thank you, you guys, because it's, it is nice to have a community that actually gets it because yes. I have so many people who are like, why can't you just shut up? Why can't you just shut up and not make waves? We're and I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm glad you're not shut shutting up. up. Please keep talking. Yeah. And you know, Carrie, <laughs> I want, I would like to get your contact info because we're going to want to get you onto our podcast, the CTA oh, podcast to. too. Oh, I'll, so, send, I'll send you guys an email together. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. and I are meeting soon and uh, putting together our schedule of guests. Brilliant. Sweet. Awesome. I'd love to. Awesome. So, all right. Thank, Thank you. you so much.